Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. This is the California Report magazine. I'm Erin Baldessari, in for Sasha Coca. In Oakland, along the city's western edge, homes and businesses come up against a tangle of highway overpasses and railroad tracks. I'm sitting outside, on a couch, next to John Janosko. It's, it's beautiful out here at nighttime. We can see downtown Oakland, the skyline. This is Oakland's largest settlement of unhoused people, known simply as Wood Street, named after the road it runs along. It's a ramshackle place with beat-up trailers and makeshift shacks tucked beneath the Interstate 880 freeway, home to around 300 people. To outsiders who are used to living in houses, it can seem pretty grim. But not to John. For him, it's home. I mean, it gets pretty dark. You know, you can see a few stars. It reminds you sometimes when you're a kid. If you remember At night, background. it's quiet. There's only the sounds of passing cars and trains moving along their tracks. Even though it's a situation that's maybe not ideal to most people, there's a lot of things that bring up good emotions inside of you that make you feel good still, you know? It's, it's not all about being sad and stuff. John is the type of person folks gravitate towards. And at Wood Street, he has enough stability to play host, the way he might do if he had a house. You know how you always have that family member where you go to Thanksgiving or you always spend Christmas? So that would be me. I always had the place set up, ready for any parties. He loves celebrating his friends' birthdays, throwing holiday parties. The things he knows often get overlooked when you don't have a home. His efforts are a big reason the settlement feels like more than a collection of RVs. It's a family. That's why it's so important to us and everybody that's been here, because it means something to us. Some people have lived here for over a decade. John's friend Ramona Choice has been at Wood Street for around six years. It feel like I've been there, like, forever, forever. She's built a community here. I'm a Wood Street. I'm a part of it. But now, this settlement is under threat. As voters become increasingly frustrated over the number of people living on the street in cities throughout California, authorities have responded, clearing more than 1,200 encampments across the state in the span of a year. The day that I'm visiting... Wood Street is next on the list. Tomorrow's going to be very hectic and chaotic. You know, we don't own this. We have no basic legal right that anyone has found really to be on somebody else's land. For nearly a year, I've been following John and Ramona as they fight to keep the community at Wood Street together. What happened here can tell us a lot about why the state's approach to clearing homeless encampments so often fails to get people housed. Because... Solving street homelessness is not as easy as just building shelters. It requires something more, something the folks here at Wood Street were able to provide for each other 
And now I'm wondering what will be lost when the community splinters and what will happen to the people who call Wood Street home. Our story starts last July. That's when I first came out to Wood Street. Ramona, who also just goes by Mona, is standing inside a metal dumpster, sorting through scrap metal. Do you mind if I come in there with you? <laughs> She's ready to get it. Yeah. Is that okay? She's got close cropped hair that's tucked beneath a bandana, a tough exterior, an assertive demeanor that hides the fact that she's just under five feet tall. What are you doing here, by the way? Loading with my metal and stuff so they can take it in. She collects scrap metal, mostly from what people have dumped here at Wood Street over the years, and sells it to recycling centers. She's trying to get everything sorted because Caltrans just gave residents a five-day eviction notice. And she's worried. Where are we going to go if they shut this down? My home is out here right now. The Wood Street settlement, and this is hard to overstate, is huge. The largest in Northern California. It stretches for more than a mile, mostly on land Caltrans owns, with Interstate 880 looming overhead, a massive vaulted ceiling. Below, it feels like a little city. A dirt road goes down the middle. People have formed compounds with fences surrounding clusters of trailers. In one, RVs encircle a brick patio. In another, there's an impressive yurt-like structure made out of blue, translucent skylights. Each has its own personality, and residents are proud of what they built. We didn't come here because we wanted to be here, you know, so we you know, made it the best we could. Everybody's willing to help each other out here, and they're very generous with their time and skills. We get food. We literally will cook every night here, and it doesn't matter what else you have going on in your life. Like, you come here, you're cool. We all family back here. Like, we all look out for each other. We all protect each other. But it's got problems, too. There are abandoned cars, illegal dumping, people's stuff gets stolen. And for homeowners and businesses near the settlement, it's frustrating. I think this is unacceptable. It's hard for me to have my customers come here. We could use help. We pay taxes. We go out and do cleanups. We do everything to make our neighborhood a better place. Kathy Kuhner summed up a common sentiment that I heard from some neighbors near the Wood Street settlement. I think we're a wealthy enough country that we can take care of people who don't have homes. But I don't think we can allow them to be in the streets, the parks, or on public or private property. In other words, be invisible. And that's what people at Wood Street thought they were doing. The settlement is in an industrial part of town, set back from the street. But it's gotten more crowded, more people making fires to cook and stay warm, and accidents happen. In the span of a year, Oakland firefighters responded to 63 fires here, including one where someone died. Caltrans says that's evidence the settlement isn't safe. Mona acknowledges the fires are a problem, too. But she says eviction isn't the only solution. There's a lot about this community that's worth saving. I've seen a lot of growth and change and community. Like, it's a community in that they're splitting up. Years of living here have given people time to build up shared spaces, like a resource hub in the middle of the camp. It was beautiful. She gets a little wistful when she talks about it. And to have a kitchen, a shower, and a garden, that was wonderful. Those amenities, the shower, the garden, they make life a little easier. And maybe more importantly, they provide a sense of stability. 
and independence. I seen Wood Street being better than what it was. I did. Another example of that is this place called The Commons. It's where a lot of the organizing happens, at one end of the larger Wood Street settlement. I think what people don't understand is like all of Wood Street, front and back, is a community. That's John Janosko, who you heard earlier. He and Mona are both longtime residents of Wood Street. Where Mona is guarded, John is more social. His trailer is right at the entrance to the commons, and he's laid out the welcome mat. I have like four living rooms with like six couches where people sleep. If Wood Street had a neighborhood improvement association, John would be the president. I have a men's and women's clothing closet. We have structures there where people can stay in those. We have a shipping container so we can store uh, stuff in there. As we chat, someone comes by to drop off fresh produce. You got a whole bunch of food. <laughs> I gotta go help them on yeah. those. The Commons is the first point of entry for new Wood Street residents. It's full of stuff people might need. And John's worked hard to make it homey. So he gets frustrated that certain issues, like trash, don't ever seem to go away. So that looks bad when the city should have just put out dumpsters and that make it look a lot better. And it wouldn't have been all this trash flying around and stuff. In the early days, the camp was small. But over the years, as unhoused folks were evicted from other encampments, police and outreach workers told people to come to Wood Street. Partially was created because of the powers to be shuttling everybody down here. The settlement grew in a part of West Oakland that's been neglected for decades. It's in a neighborhood that historically hasn't seen a lot of investment from the city. So it makes sense that it didn't attract much attention at first. One end of the settlement butts up against an old abandoned train station. Mona grew up near here and used to visit the beautiful Beaux-Arts style building when she was younger, before it closed in the mid 90s. I remember we used to walk all the way up here, but never got on the train. She moved around a lot as a kid, sometimes living in houses just blocks from Wood Street, but always called West Oakland home. It's a neighborhood rich with history, a hub of African-American culture, one's called the Harlem of the West, and an organizing powerhouse. Huey Newton and Bobby Seals started the Black Panther Party here. Huey said, we want freedom, we want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Number two, we want full employment for our people. Number three, we want housing fit, decent housing fit for shelter of human beings. Mona was born about a decade later, into some of the same conditions of poverty and police violence the party fought. Conditions that persist even now, more than 50 years later. We want housing, we want clothing, we want education, we want justice, and we want peace. Growing up, Mona's mom always made sure she and her six siblings had food on the table and clothes to wear. But sometimes that meant not paying other bills, like the electricity. When she was a teenager, social workers from Child Protective Services took Mona and her siblings to live with her aunt and uncle in Fresno. Mona isn't exactly sure why, but she thinks it's because the lights were out. This time it happened like we were in the dark. And it was not even that long, but they that's why they came. After nearly a decade in Fresno, she moved back to West Oakland to be closer to her mom. By this time, in the early 2000s, she had a couple kids of her own, and her neighborhood was beginning to change. The Bay Area's tech industry was booming. 
Twitter made its debut on the New York Stock Exchange. Rents across the region were skyrocketing. San Francisco area is home to the highest housing costs in the country. And West Oakland, just a short train ride from San Francisco, suddenly seemed like a good place to invest. Oakland, where gentrification is happening and neighborhoods are changing fast. The city now ranks... Around 2013, Mona and her kids moved into a duplex about a mile from the Wood Street settlement. We drive over to check it out. This is the house. Oh, right here. The, the darker blue one. They redid it. This blue house is the last place where she, her kids, and her partner were all together, a family. And it's the last place she lived before she became homeless. I loved it here. I had the best neighbors, best neighbors in the world. We all liked the music, and I stayed at the top. An electrical fire in 2017 damaged the home. She could afford the place because she had Section 8, a federal subsidy that helps low-income people pay rent. But after the fire, she had trouble keeping up with the paperwork. Because my mail wasn't getting to me. It was going to the post office. I have no ID to go and pick up my mail. So it was like I was losing all the way around. This one setback had a cascading effect. She not only lost her home, but all of her belongings and wading through the bureaucracy of the DMV, the social services office, and the housing authority was overwhelming. It was like, I was lost. I was lost. I lost everything. She lost her Section 8 rent voucher. Her kids eventually ended up living with their aunt, and Mona moved into a trailer at Wood Street. I can't go back in the past, but I miss it. If I could have it anyway, I have it back to when I was um, happy with my kids and in that house. We sit here, staring up at the house for a while. There's a new fence now, different paint color, but a lot is the same, though nothing else in her life is. I go back to the pictures and I look at pictures that I posted on Facebook and stuff. You can tell I was happy. I don't see that person no more. Like, this has changed my whole appearance. This is not my face, and so I don't accept it. I'm not happy. I'm not. My life was better than this. Now Mona is losing her home again because of a fire. This one happened in July 2022 at the Wood Street Settlement. Flames erupted in the area of Wood Street and 34th Street shortly after 10 o'clock. The Oakland Fire Department says several RVs... Not long after that, Caltrans put up signs saying everyone has five days to pack up and leave. This is their land, about three-quarters of the settlement, and they want everyone off. But at the last minute, residents successfully filed for a temporary restraining order. At the hearing, the judge asked attorneys for all the government agencies involved what kind of shelter is being offered to residents. Caltrans, the city, the county, they all point fingers at each other. The unfortunate fact is we're dependent on our partners. I can't really say with any level of specificity. I'm afraid I just don't have anything specific to report. The judge isn't having it. He says, quote, I understand that everybody wants to wash their hands of this particular problem, and that's not going to happen. He orders the agencies to work together to come up with a plan for where folks can go 
and he delays the evictions by a little more than a month, which is all pretty unusual. It's rare for people living without regular access to electricity to file for a temporary restraining order in federal court. But because people have been living at Wood Street for so long, they built relationships with nonprofits and volunteers who help them advocate for themselves. Both the city and the state have failed to provide anywhere for vehicle dwellers to literally exist. Talia Husbands Hankin is one of them. She's the founder of an organization called Love and Justice in the Streets. And this is going to cause a huge crisis. It's going to push people into residential neighborhoods, towards business districts, and separate communities of care. About a month later, I run into Mona at Wood Street. It's mid-August. It's so hot, so hot. Even in the heat, she's still working hard. Got to get to the uh, recycling center. I'm trying to get stuff clear, but it's going to be at a pace. That's all I could do. Time is ticking, and the evictions are just around the corner. She tells me that despite the judge's order, no one from the city, the county, or Caltrans has been out to offer shelter. And she doesn't know where she's going to go. I'm going to ride it out as long as I can. I mean, I've been here. I've been here for a, a long time. At the next hearing, the government agencies say they do have a plan. They found shelter beds for half the people getting displaced. Folks advocating for residents at Wood Street are not impressed. That's not really a feasible plan. It's very unrealistic. But the judge says it's good enough. And the law is on Caltrans' side. There is no legal right to housing. On September 8th, the evictions begin. Woody Guthrie's iconic protest song, This Land Is Your Land, provides the soundtrack for the day. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from California to the New And all those activists and allies who built ties with Wood Street residents over the years face off against California Highway Patrol officers. They built a makeshift barricade to block Caltrans vehicles from coming in. Activist Sochil Bernadette Moreno stands on top of the rubble and directs her rage at the cops and Caltrans. You know what the people here? They built community and you're destroying it. You are destroying the only community that has kept these people safe. Meanwhile, the folks living here try to figure out what to do with their stuff. We don't have the capacity to tow anything with no wheels on it because, like, it ain't rolling anywhere. Residents help each other hitch trailers to trucks. Hey, you got somebody to steer that thing? We can help you. And people try to figure out where to go next. Worst case scenario, I think the street over, probably that is my best option, yeah. Mona speaks to reporters from the TV station KTVU. I'm tired. I can't do it. Can't do it. Tears stream down her face. They just displacing us all, even the animals. We don't have nothing. Yeah, they're trying to take my house. That's all I have. The evictions go on for a little over a month. The majority of the Wood Street settlement is cleared away, leaving only around 70 people living at the commons. It's been spared because it's on a slice of city-owned land where Caltrans has no jurisdiction. Overall, some 200 people are forced to leave. The majority remain homeless, with a little less than half accepting shelter. 
though it probably would have been less if residents hadn't pressured officials to offer those beds. Everyone just sort of scattered, you know. John Janosko, the Neighborhood Association president, shakes his head at the futility of it all. If you go up and down some of these side streets, you'll notice that there's a few more RVs parked on just regular residential streets. Evicting people when they have nowhere to go means they move somewhere else, usually just a few blocks away. That's what Mona does, too. After Caltrans evicts her, she moves three times in three months, ultimately ending up at the Commons, about six blocks from where she started. So it's like, I'm on edge about everything. With each move, Mona's a bit worse off. Because it's hard to carry everything when you don't have moving boxes or a truck. She often has to leave behind tools and gear. I can't even work on stuff that I need to work on because I really don't have the tools. I done lost a lot, a lot. Somebody breaks into her trailer. Then, in November, it starts raining, and the area around her floods. From the time that I moved over here, it's been water. Caltrans done threw away all my weather gear. I have nothing, so I'm getting wet, and it feel like I'm getting sick. This is another reason advocates say encampment sweeps are counterproductive. Not only does Mona remain homeless, she's exposed to more trauma and hardship along the way. Now I'm on the street, in front. Her trailer is sandwiched between the abandoned train station and a construction site, the latest in a string of new apartments along the street. It's a striking image. Mona and her trailer caught between West Oakland's past and its future. Where that leaves her is less clear. For the time being, no one is breathing down her neck to leave. And she gets a little booster income when a friend drops off a pile of recycling for her to cash in. This bag is also all copper. It's perfect because right now I can use it. But this stability is temporary. The commons, this last vestige of the Wood Street settlement that's on city-owned land, is facing its own eviction in a few months. The city wants to build affordable housing here. Unlike Caltrans, who just wanted to clear people out, the city of Oakland is trying a different strategy. Oakland is one of 19 California communities that will be receiving a grant to help provide shelter and housing for those experiencing homelessness. They'll use that money to build a temporary site with nearly 80 tough sheds, essentially tool sheds. The only problem is city officials didn't ask residents whether they actually wanted to move into these sheds. I don't want to go in there either. If my trailer can't go there, it was never for me. It's not just that Mona prefers her trailer. It's that if she takes a tough shed, there's no guarantee she'll get into permanent housing later. And Mona doesn't want to give up the one home she's been able to count on, her trailer, if it's not a sure thing. So once everything is said and done with them, I don't get housing right away, I have my trailer. I mean, it makes sense to me. At one meeting, John Janosko asked the nonprofit that'll be managing the site how often it's successful at getting people into housing. But the nonprofit can't answer the question on the spot. I'm scared right now to say that I'm going to say yes to a tough shed or go into something that you guys say that we can be successful in life. You guys don't even have numbers about previous uh, people getting housed. I mean, John has a point. An audit last year of the city's homelessness services found less than a third of the people who went into these tough sheds got into permanent housing. The city usually lets people stay for six months. John says 
that's just not that helpful. He wants something long-term. Permanent, think permanent. So people don't have to worry about if they don't get housing because they've been in mental illness and drug uses or whatever for the last 10 years and you expect everything's gonna be okay. It's not, there's too much trauma out here and stuff. You guys gotta, there is compassion. Well, a lot of the folks at the Commons say they shouldn't have to move at all. John is a bit more moderate. Remember, he's the diplomatic one of the group. He thinks people could be successful in the tough sheds if the city is willing to make some changes so folks have stuff to do there. Computer lab for uh, so people can uh, basically look for their own uh, housing, uh, jobs, uh, landscaping a uh, shed for a community garden. A kitchen, help with warrants and court dates. Men's and women's clothing closet that you collect all the donations and stuff. In other words, give people resources, foster a sense of community, make it more like what people already have at Wood Street. We need stability. Once you get stability, then you get everything else comes along with it. As people at the Commons wait to get their next eviction notice, Mona gets some news. She's now at the top of Alameda County's waitlist for permanent housing. I'm up there. She isn't sure how long she's been on this list. So this would be like an apartment? I hope so, because I can't do the tough shit. At the time, there were nearly 6,000 people on the same waitlist as Mona. It's a complicated process to get housing from the county, and there's a number of factors that can bump you up higher to what's called priority status. But essentially, that's what happened for her. She made it onto that priority list. And when would would you be able to move in if you could? I don't know. You have to find out. I gotta find out, yeah. First, she's gotta fill out a bunch of paperwork. Get copies of her social security card, birth certificate, state ID, and she has to get a nonprofit to vouch that she's actually homeless. Then she has to wait for an apartment to open up. So it might be a while. Getting onto that priority list for housing can take years. But officials say once someone is at the top of the list, the average time to find a home is about four months. Still, change is scary. How are you feeling about it? Are you excited? Mm, kind of. No, not really. I am, but I'm being out here for so long. You get used to things. Like, you get used to a house when you've been in a home so long. Yeah. You seem a little nervous. I am. But I'm happy. I'm glad. In early May, the city finishes clearing the commons. John decides to take a tough shed. I gotta, like, stabilize myself, to tell you the truth. About two-thirds of the folks here decide to follow. A dozen others move to a city-run RV parking lot on the other side of town. The rest scatter. Mona decides to take a tough shed, too, now that she's pretty sure she'll get an apartment. But it's not all excitement she's feeling. She's going to miss John's outdoor lounge at the Commons, with its couches and easy-up, the way that she could go there during the day to steal a few moments of quiet, or hang out late at night near the fire pit for company, the holiday and birthday parties. It was more than a camp. It was more than a camp. It really was. It was our paradise. As much as an apartment means independence and stability, it also means leaving Wood Street and the people here behind.
And that's it for our show this week. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED in San Francisco. The interim senior editor is Katrina Schwartz. Susie Racho is our producer-director. Our engineers are Brendan Willard and Christopher Beal. Jessica Carissa is our intern. I'm Aaron Baldessari. Sasha Coco returns next week. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.